0: Hello and welcome to The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. My name is Sierra and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. From my crazy life to yours, it's time to share our experiences and get into those gritty details. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. Today we have brand ambassador Claire Nissa in. Welcome Claire. Hi. And Claire is here to talk about, oh my goodness, a... Uh, lot of different things. Oh my god. (laughs) All sorts of different things. Claire has been out as a transgender woman for five years now and is here to give us the insight of what it's like to be trans and the difference between trans and cross-dressing and what trans means and so much more than that. So Claire, do you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction to yourself and, I mean, being trans?
1: (laughs) So... And this is by no means the uh, tried and true, true for everybody kind of story. But, so I'm Claire. I was not always Claire. I was assigned male at birth. And I have known for as long as I can remember. It's one of my oldest memories. There's this metaphorical voice that has been in my head saying, you are not a boy You're a girl. However, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, It's not a thing that we, that was ever talked about back then. So it's not something that I could really put into words, but it was a feeling. And I recall, God, the number of times I lay in bed at night just wishing, wishing I would wake up the next morning and be a girl, or praying to God, or the devil, or whatever power that be, please, please, please just let me wake up and be a girl. Which of course never happened.
0: Unfortunately,
1: (laughs) so this went on for God for as long as I can remember. You know, it's when you're when you're living in the '70s and '80s, there's just so much rampant homophobia. I don't think I knew what transgender was until there's a novel by John Irving that was turned into a movie that starred Robin Williams called The World According to Garp. One of the ancillary characters in that, played by John Lithgow, was a transgender woman. That's probably the very first time I saw someone who was trans. They were, of course, played by a cisgender male. But there was, let's see, uh, what what did we have for media representation of gender nonconformity? We had Corporal Klinger on MASH. I don't know if you ever saw MASH.
0: Um, I tried to avoid it as a kid because I thought it was kind of boring and it only came on when, like, you were sick.
1: (laughs) I loved MASH. It was funny, 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 but also, like... Yeah, I don't know. It's a different time, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but Corporal Klinger was this zany character who was trying to get out of the army through what was called a Section 8. And a Section 8 was uh, mental insanity. So he would cross-dress. And here was this, like, hairy-legged Lebanese gentleman with a big hook nose wearing, like... Christian Dior and, like, all these amazing dresses and, like, silk stockings and, like, but still walking around like a man Mm -hmm. and performing guard duty. And it was all very funny.
0: And it was supposed to be funny. Yeah,
1: Yeah. absolutely. It was the butt of the joke. Yeah. Right? And nobody, like, batted an Mm -hmm. eye. It was just Corporal Klinger trying to get a Section 8, but everyone knew he wasn't insane. That was Corporal Klinger. Then we had, gosh, moving into the 90s. There was Ace Ventura, a pet detective. That was again the butt of a joke. And it was kind of a disgusting joke. Like the the transgender person in that was Ellen Einhorn, who was the villain of the piece, and had transitioned to get revenge on Ray. No, she she was Ray Finkel. I, I can't anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was again the butt of a joke and the trans person was disgusting. And then you had the the greatest monster of all, Buffalo Bill mm. from Silence of the Lambs, who was a monster. And even though there's a very, there's a small throwaway line in the movie that talks about transgender folk and how this is not typical of their behavior, this is something that uh, carries on to this day that uh, trans women especially are predators mm-hmm. who are just trying to hurt women. Yeah and to uh, take over their safe spaces and whatnot. And there's a really good documentary on Netflix, or there was, I'm not sure if it's still there, called Disclosure, which talks about everything I just talked about, and like the, the representation in media of trans folk and how it's been just really, up until the last probably five years, has been lacking or just very negative. We have The Crying Game, which is another film. It was lauded, like, it was given immense uh, praise for its time. But the initial reaction to this trans uh, character, when the the protagonist finds out that the woman he's been kissing is transgender, he runs to the bathroom and starts throwing up after kissing her.
0: Wonderful. Right. (laughs) So...
1: At no point during this time can I feel like this is something that I can talk about. So it was something, uh, it, was, it was deep shame. So I would dress in private, and again, it was all something that was very shameful. And I would, I would get clothing, and then I would purge. And mm-hmm. I would get clothing, and I would purge, and it was something that I would continue to repress for decades. Finally, when I, in my 40s... I was diagnosed with COPD, chronic obstructed pulmonary disease. That was due to heavy smoking. I was a career chef, and you do not get a break in the kitchen unless you smoke. No. (laughs) So I continued to smoke after my diagnosis and ended up having an acute pneumothorax, which means my lung burst. actually had two holes. And I was hospitalized for 17 days. And during this time, I finally came to the realization nothing will make you realize how much your life has been wasted like having your mortality brought in front of you Mm -hmm. and I was I thought you know what you have not lived your life and you just about died it's time to face the facts sweetie
0: absolutely
1: and I did as much research as I can and you go look up transgender on the internet and see what you find it is not easy to find the truth. There's all kinds of misinformation. There's a hell of a lot of porn. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. It's, it's... Anyways. Through some deep diving, I managed to figure out. And here was one of the reasons I really struggled with it. Not only am I transgender, but I'm gay. I like women. I am not attracted to men. So I never thought that... Like, I can't transition. I'm not into men. Why would I... Go to that length. I didn't. I didn't realize that you can be both. Like it just never occurred to me. So yes, you can be both.
0: <laughs> you can be a, trans <laughs> you can transgender, be a lesbian. transgender lesbian.
1: <laughs> you can be a transgender bisexual. Like the spectrum is vast and wide. The and... limit
0: does not exist. <laughs> no, exactly.
1: Actually, that one of the things I've learned is that. There's about 8 billion different people on this planet, which means there are about 8 billion different sexualities. Don't let anyone define your sexuality. It's all you. Mm -hmm. It's all you. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, my past, my history.
0: So we're on to the million-dollar question. What is the difference between transgender and drag and cross-dressing?
1: So transgender is a gender identity. This means... The very term trans, it's Latin. It means across from. Uh, So you may have heard the term cisgender, that means the same side as. So if you are cisgender, that means that your identity is the same as the gender you were born as. If you are transgender, that means your identity is across from or the opposite side of the gender that you were born as. Now this is really kind of, Archaic in a way because we've we've since realized there are many different points on that spectrum there It's not just a binary. Mm -hmm. There's not just boy and girl. There are people who Identify as one thing one day another thing the next day or somewhere in the middle or none at all like so it's it's Anyone who does not identify as the gender they were assigned at birth is considered to be transgender that being said Mm cross-dressing Is someone who they can find pleasure or comfort in expressing their gender identity with clothing that is not typical of the gender that they were assigned. So, whether they do that for a sexual pur- purpose or just to relax, however they choose to use that method, it's just, but it's not because that's who they identify as. They just like to wear the clothing.
0: And that's perfectly fine. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And then drag. Drag is a performative uh, adaptation of cross-dressing. So I mean, traditionally, if we go back to Shakespeare's time, uh, women weren't allowed in the theater. Mm -hmm. And so the women's parts were played by men. And actually there's quite a tradition in British theater for there to be men dressed as women. And usually it's done for... A lar- uh, like a, just for laughs mm-hmm. um, you see this in the British British pantomimes it's usually like overly ridiculous and exaggerated drag is kind of came from that background but really came from the 60s and earlier drag is something that was done and, and kind of adapted by trans women of color to protect themselves so that they could be out in public and be safe. So the great queer icons of the 60s, Sylvia Rivera is a great example, um, Marsha P. Johnston, these were famous drag queens who were actually trans people. But today, when we talk about drag, it is merely performance. This is something, it's it's a character that is put on, it is a face that is put on, it is for performance only. The sad thing is that drag is often conflated with being transgender. There, I think there needs to be more awareness that the two are not synonymous. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that there aren't trans folk who perform drag. In fact, I think that there's some of the best. They do a really good job. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, in the South Okanagan, we have a great example. There is a two spirit person who does drag as uh, they're a drag king called res daddy who is hilarious like over the top just incredibly funny Mm -hmm. you know i think it's it's become quite popular it's been very brought to light of course by rupaul's drag race but i think the problem is rupaul has not done the trans community any service by recognizing where drag came from. You know, a great example of how to find out about this would be, again, a documentary on Netflix called Who is Marsha P. Johnson? Which talks about, you know, the history of the the Pride movement. According to the myths and legend of Stonewall, which was the riot which created the Pride Pride movement, at least in North America, Marsha P. Johnson threw the first brick at the riot. (laughs) So this woman was very much behind the whole Pride movement, or or at the forefront of it, and has been kind of lost in this this whole multi-million dollar kind of industry that is drag now.
0: So how would you, as a transgender female, explain it to cis people?
1: So the experience of being transgender is... There's a few ways we can go over this. Firstly, so around the turn of the 19th century to the 20th century, there was a movement to make everybody right with their right hands. And people were forced into it. As you are well aware, there are people who are left-handed. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not aware of the exact statistic on it, but it's about 40% of people are left-hand predominant. You know, if you're forced to use your right hand, that doesn't stop your left hand from being the dominant hand. So no matter how much you're told to use that right hand, your left hand is still the hand that that is dominant. So that's one way we can kind of explain it, but I don't think that delves deep enough. Uh, Another good analogy is imagine a can of peas. The label says it's peas. It looks like every other can of peas you've ever seen. And Mm. when we open that can, it's not peas, it's carrots. Blasphemy. Right. (laughs) I know. (laughs) No matter how much you scold or tell that can that it should be peas, it contains carrots, and that's all there is to it, and there's no way you can change that. Mm-hmm. So again, this is kind of getting to where we 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 want to be, but it's still a little ab- abstract. So let's get to probably the best illustration I've seen. We kind of came at this from the opposite side. So you as a cis woman, mm-hmm. uh, let's say... You imagine that you were born into a male body and how that would feel, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't work because you weren't born into a male body. So, how do you know how that, that
0: feels? Yeah,
1: right. So, instead, let's imagine that you are as you are, mm-hmm. however, everyone in the world besides yourself tells you and treats you you are male 100%. There is Nothing about you that feels male, but everyone around you tells you you are Mm -hmm. and treats you that way. That is what it's like to be transgender. That being said, not everyone experiences this the same way. My experience goes back to, as far as I can remember, there are trans folk who don't realize until much later in their life. There are some trans folk who suffer greatly from dysphoria. Dysphoria is... The discrepancy in your head between your self-perception and what the mirror tells you. So it's kind of an offshoot of of dysmorphia, but to a greater degree. But dysphoria does not necessarily mean... Like, you don't need to have dysphoria to be transgender. I have it greatly. Mm -hmm. It's one of the, the ways I understood I was transgender. Another way that you can determine that you're trans is by having moments of gender euphoria so these are those times when you feel that your gender is affirmed in a way that just brings imagine that time that you felt more like a woman than you ever have and the joy that it brings to you that is the euphoria of gender euphoria so there are those who have those moments and realize that that's what being trans is but for the most part there's no two same trans people they don't, we, we don't all represent the same symptoms of being trans mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons it's so hard to identify and it's it's uh yeah it's really hard to explain to those who don't experience it mm-hmm. because 95 percent of people are the gender they were assigned at birth or feel that so yeah, when it's only four or five percent of us and many of us are still in the closet because we don't even understand what it is mm-hmm. or society tells us that we're abominations it's very difficult to you know express it in a way that that's understandable mm-hmm. so i guess yeah the best analogy is really just imagine that the whole rest of the world is telling you that you are this thing that you know you're not
0: mm-hmm. so you think you are someone you know and love is transgender What now?
1: Well, that is the rub, isn't it? When we are just figuring things out, uh, there's an analogy that trans folk use to describe ourselves. We say that we're eggs. If you crack an egg from the outside, it will die. You crack an egg from the inside, it will live. Now, that being said, we still want to nurture an egg.
0: Yes. We keep
1: it... (laughs) In the warmth we incubate it we don't just let it roll outside into the cold let them come out to you Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you can't show support and that you can't discuss things in the trans spectrum without making accusations or or any kind of not an accusation but like go well you know is this about you but be supportive and when they first crack that egg, it's they're going to be awkward. They're going to be so awkward. They're going to be oversharing. They're going to be telling you too much. They're going to be wanting all of this affirmation. Those of us that start hormone treatment, we want changes to happen immediately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we're going to be talking about things that are quite personal, like Uh, breast development or beard growth or members of the opposite gender take for granted or that happened when you were much younger Mm -hmm. suddenly like for myself i hit puberty for the second time in my mid-40s yeah uh...
0: (laughs) i'm just sitting here like "Ah." can you imagine yeah
1: no and i chose it that's the best part yeah it's awkward. It's really awkward. Now, the difference between the first puberty and the second puberty is at least you have kind of an awareness. Like you have the experience of knowing mm-hmm. that hormones are affecting you. You're aware of it. That doesn't make, make it easier. Just be nurturing. Mm-hmm. Just be understanding. If someone tells you that their pronouns are something, try and use them. Mm-hmm. If you make a mistake, apologize. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with getting pronouns wrong you're rewriting neural pathways. This takes time. It takes 17 times to do something to form a new habit. So of course you're going to make mistakes, but just be earnest and apologize and and, and carry on. Mm-hmm. And affirm them in as many ways as you possibly can. First of all, if someone comes out to you, thank them for sharing this with you and trusting you. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, especially in today's day well i mean like anytime this is something that is not done lightly it is very difficult to come out to people and you think that you're you're possibly losing that person when you when you do this so when they come out they are they are showing an inherent level of trust in you so make sure to thank them also make sure to ask is this okay that i discuss this with anyone else or is there people you don't want me to tell or do you know not want me to tell anyone discuss the parameters of what they are comfortable with you talking about is this something you that i can tell other people or is it just between us you know so that you don't make mistakes and never ever out somebody this is that's the greatest breach of trust that you can do Mm -hmm. here's someone has trusted you with their deepest darkest secret and then you go and blab it on the on the internet (laughs) and now you've outed that person to everybody yeah and now you know you Mm -hmm. have someone potentially harming themselves because they've just had their secrets torn from them yeah that's the really the best way that you can you can support someone who has come out to you or someone that you care about who is trans is to just be a listener To realize that they will overshare, Mm -hmm. that they will talk about it obsessively, (laughs) that they will ask personal questions. Again, you don't have to answer anything that you're uncomfortable with. And you can answer these, you can say this without being offensive. But yeah, they are, they're going to be awkward. They're going to be so awkward. Yeah.
0: I've had a few friends come to me and say, hey, I, I think I'm trans, and the first thing I always say is, well, what would you like me to call you?
1: Right. Yeah,
0: and I feel like that's a really good starting point. It is. What I, I don't have to call you that around other people, but how would you like me to address you? Mm-hmm. Like, would you like me to say, like, she, her? Would you like me to call you Donatella? Like, right. you know, like, what would you like your name between us to be? And then most people often get really excited that i've even asked
1: that <laughs> absolutely that's that's uh referring that's a reference mm-hmm. of that gender euphoria mm-hmm. is when you are when you're called that name it feels so good yeah it really does yeah or when someone calls you she her they them these yeah. or whatever your pronouns are mm-hmm. it's just yeah it's so affirming and amazing And to come from a place where, again, you have been referred to something that you don't feel you are for your entire life. Yeah, it's liberating and it's the best way you can support someone.
0: Yeah, and I think on top of that, another thing that comes after that is like, where do I get girls clothes? Like (laughs) where do I shop? Where do I get makeup? How do I, how do I do this? And if
1: you know how to do those things, Mm -hmm. support them in that way. Yeah. If you have extra clothing, if you can teach them how to do makeup, like the number of women that reached out to me with, I've got these eyeshadow palettes, I don't use them. Here you go. Mm -hmm. Here's some clothing I don't wear anymore. It looks like it would fit you. God, I mean, how, how many clothes do you have that you haven't worn in forever?
0: You don't need to go into that. Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm moving right now. I yeah. know how many clothes I've, I have not worn in the last year. All of these things are so mean so much to that person. And it's so little to you. Mm-hmm. Right? If you can go shopping with someone and help them find an item that they love, give them... When I first came out and started shopping, I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't have my fashion sense. Like, I kind of knew what I liked, but did it work for me? Like, all of these are things that we have to come to on our own. Mm -hmm. And unlike cisgender folk who got to make those mistakes in their preteens and early teens, we don't have that luxury. We have, like, minutes to make these mistakes, not years. If anything that can help us pass these challenges... But also at the same time, let us make these mistakes. Let us put on the bright blue eyeshadow with the big sparkles and like clashing top and, and, and bottoms. Mm-hmm. Like, let us do it.
0: That's something you have dreamed of doing. Exactly. So I don't want to take it away from no, you. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> and who knows, maybe that is their expression. Exactly. I don't want anyone to tell you how you should express yourself, but we need to find out how to express ourselves and that's that can be challenging Mm -hmm. so to have someone say you know what that just isn't you there's a better way to say it yeah right
0: i'd probably turn around and be like why don't you just like shut the fuck up like for real
1: (laughs) but i mean you could be putting that person back into the closet by being that way so i mean just let them make their mistakes be supportive and love them yeah because they're just starting to love themselves
0: So what does transition look like? This is, I think, where a lot of people get kind of confused. Like, where does it start? Where does it end? Does it end?
1: So no two people's journey is the same. Some trans folk merely accepting who they are is enough. Myself, I am medically transitioning. So that means that I have started hormone therapy. Within two weeks now, actually today, I will be having gender-confirming surgery which means that I am having a partial-depth vaginus, uh, vagina <laughs> What's it called again? <laughs> Vaginoscopy and labioscopy. So these are surgeries that will transform my outie into an innie. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. Sorry. <sighs> Give me no, that, that's Paint a that great picture. Way,
0: it's a great way of saying it right yes
1: (laughs) so again not everyone's journey takes all of these steps and no one can tell someone what their journey looks like only they can define it for themselves but traditionally there are steps the first one being accepting who you are mentally and then taking steps to perhaps alter your appearance either cosmetically or through clothing some folk start hormone treatment which can do all kinds of things so if you were assigned male at birth then it would start to develop breast tissue and change where you your body allocates fat deposits Mm -hmm. so moving from places on your belly Mm -hmm. to your hips and thighs if you were assigned female at birth then you would start to develop facial and body hair your voice would deepen, chest start to widen a bit, muscular changes, those physical changes start to occur. So, hormones can do a lot to affirm your gender. I know they did for myself. It started very simply with testosterone blockers for me, which lowered my libido, started to soften my skin, and slowed my beard growth, sadly. Assigned male at birth, trans folk, do not get their beard growth halted entirely. Mm -hmm. However, since transitioning, I have come to realize that, you know what? There's a lot of cis women that shave their face too.
0: Yeah, every day. Right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. So.
0: It's not. Welcome to the club. It's not a weird
1: thing. It's not as weird as we take it for. And that's the thing too, is there are a lot of these kind of ablutions that women go through that cis men have no understanding of. They don't know at all. No. These things just magically disappear. You don't grow hair under your armpits or on your legs and magically down there is just all nice and clean and and, and kept in a nice little triangle. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> all these things happen naturally right? Yes. Yeah. I
0: fucking wish. <laughs> Right? It's a lot of upkeep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, God, is it ever. And that's the funny thing. I actually, I don't care about my leg hair. Since hormones, it actually takes so much time for it to grow back. Mm -hmm. And it's very light. I just don't even care. And I don't think I've shaved my armpits in months. Like, it just doesn't grow back the way it used to. Mm -hmm. It used to be quite hairy. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate I did not have a ton of body hair. So my chest wasn't covered in it, thankfully. Mm That could be a bit hellacious. I know when we first met, I was going through electrolysis Mm -hmm. in preparation for my gender-confirming surgery. (sighs) Anyone who goes through with this is a saint. I had to stop. It was so torturous and so painful. And I don't know how people can do this for any amount of time. I was told it was going to take 18 months to two years. Of two hour sessions oh my every week oh. to get to the point where I would be clear enough of hair down below mm-hmm. to get a full depth vaginoscopy. Yeah, you couldn't do it vaginoplasty. Okay. Sorry, that's the word. Yes, yes, vaginoplasty. <laughs> I got it.
0: You did it, yay! Gosh. I mean, I have done personally like a bunch of laser hair removal and. That can hurt too, Yes. Uh, but I do know that electrolysis is like 10 times more.
1: And that's the thing. Okay, so here, here is where uh, a lot of people don't understand this as well. What's the difference between laser and electrolysis? So if you have dark hair,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then you can have laser. Yes. Laser hair removal will get rid of dark hairs. If you have light colored hair, white, blonde, or red hair, electrolysis is required yes and so this is not a little laser that does a quick this is the insertion of a needle that is then electrified yes into this and it you
0: are killing that hair follicle. you're
1: killing the follicle mm-hmm. and you know what it comes back yes and you have to kill it again and kill it again and it is so ridiculously painful mm-hmm. it's like someone was taking a hot cigarette to my nethers
0: that just made me want to puke a little yeah yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I never made it the full two hours once. I was tapping out by uh, an hour 40. Thank the gods that Transcare BC paid for it. Mm-hmm. Because those sessions would have been 80 bucks an hour.
0: Yes, very Once expensive. a week. Yeah.
1: And the only place that would do it nearby my... Pl- I live in Penticton. I had to travel to Kelowna to get it done. So factor in the gasoline once a week going Mm -hmm. driving an hour two hours because it's a round trip Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was bad
0: yeah you would have been at like 250 dollars a week yeah easy yeah easily yeah so a thousand bucks a month yeah yeah it's a lot of money it's a lot it is
1: so i mean we're very fortunate to live in canada bc specifically because the trans care is quite robust here there are surgeries i think would be more beneficial for, uh, for, for at least the trans women. I can only speak for trans women. Facial feminization surgery is a great example. I yes. think for those who really want to pass as cis, myself, I'm not as concerned about it. I was earlier. Now I don't care. But to have that the reverse of the testosterone effects on my facial features, like my brow, my nose, my chin and cheeks, All of these would have been shaped differently had I gone through the correct puberty. Yeah. And to reverse that is something that's just considered cosmetic and is not covered by Transkip BC. Although I think more trans folk need that surgery in their their minds Mm -hmm. than need the gender-confirming surgery. But they just don't cover it because, again, it's considered to be plastic surgery
0: and i think people kind of forget too that they are very invasive surgeries as well mm-hmm. like all i mean the gender affirming surgeries and facial surgeries as well they can be done right but they can also be done very wrong very wrong and it is i think we've all seen it where people do one and they're going well it's not it's not good enough i still need more mm-hmm. and it's it's scary shit. like it it really is you yeah. know yeah
1: Breast augmentation is another one mm. that is not covered by Transcare BC unless your development is less than an A cup. Oh. Then they will consider it.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Hmm.
1: So I'm lucky that I'm, for the most part, content with my growth.
0: Yeah. I'm looking right now. You have tits. I do.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're tiny. Yeah. But they're there. They're cute. <laughs> exactly. They're cute and perky. That's yes. all that matters. So. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. But the the biggest trigger for my dysphoria is my downstairs. It's the one thing that has. I just want to look down and see some smooth. Yeah. Right. I don't want to see this this protuberance. Yeah. I know.
0: <laughs> I want to
1: wear pretty panties. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah, you don't want to have to tuck or oh, anything. God. Like tucking is like whew, it's well, a Well. <laughs>
1: I don't, thankfully, Mm -hmm. have to go to the lengths that your drag queens do, where they're taping and tucking. Yeah. uh, Because hormones have shrunk a lot of what's going on down there. Right. The testicles have shrunk, Mm -hmm. and so has the penis itself, Mm -hmm. too. Well, yeah, it's smaller now. I'll say that. (laughs) So I don't know how many people are aware of this. But you can take the testicles and push them up into the inguinal canal. Yes. And then you can take the penis and fold it back and flap the scrotum over top of that and tuck mm-hmm. it into a regular pair of panties without tape, without any of that. So like even in yoga pants, you can't really tell Right. that I've got a package. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more of a bulge than a cis woman, but mm-hmm. really it's a knot pack in the heat down no. there <laughs> so i was concerned about it at first yeah. i thought i would have to get a gaff which is a special type of underwear which has a pocket that will cinch everything back
0: i can just imagine that being so painful though. yes yeah Yeah.
1: or, or taping
0: mm-hmm.
1: taping can be quite dangerous hmm. uh, because you're using medical tape or some people don't even use that they're using duct tape Ugh. and that's a very bad the adhesives are bad just for your say, skin the adhesive
0: is like yeah I have a problem with um, getting my lashes done in the adhesive, like on right. my, my eyes. I can't imagine duct tape on Down my crotchy, yeah. right?
1: Uh-uh. And then you have, of course, like the reverse. So the the assigned female at birth folk who are binding mm-hmm. and it's dangerous as well. I can be. It can be quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do it for extended periods of time. You don't want to wear a binder that's too tight and cut off circulation and do all kinds of damage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of these things are done to alleviate our dysphoria, but can cause us a lot of uh, distress. Mm
0: -hmm. Discomfort and permanent damage. Uh, Exactly. So everyone's transition is different and everyone's timeline is different. So what does Claire's transition look like?
1: So my timeline, as I say, it started when I was uh, in hospital. I had 17 days to reflect on who I was and I really delved deep into it. I came across Transcare BC, which is a great resource for anyone who's here in the province. I recommend just check them out, just Google Transcare BC. They have got all kinds of resources, local and uh, provincial. Using them and reaching out to my local Pride group, I ended up finding a support group in Kelowna folk, was uh, traveling to see them for a bit and just through this peer support i ended up coming across the name of a of a trans specialist who is uh he's a psychologist uh, actually sorry psychiatrist he is a medical doctor who specializes in trans care got a referral to him i came up to my my gp Who admitted immediately, you're going to be teaching me more about this than I can help you with because you're my first trans patient. Oh, wow. Which is by no means uncommon. Again, we're 4% of humanity. And a lot of us are still in the closet. So our GPs just don't even know how to deal with it. So I asked him for a referral to this doctor. And it took about three months to get to see him so my first appointment was in person this doctor's in Kelowna and again I had to travel the hour to get there he started it off by saying so what do you know about me I said well as I understand you were specialist in trans care he's like okay so in one sentence tell me why you're here and I said what I said right at the beginning is uh You know, since I was little, my first memory is of this metaphorical voice. I had my voice that's there in my head that says, you're not a boy or a girl. And we just, we talked. He asked me a few questions about my, uh, my history, uh, growing up. And by the end he said, well, good news. Yes, you are transgender. (laughs) Validating my feelings on this. This was like, oh, Mm -hmm. right. So... I had been hoping for something that's called informed consent. So in doing my research on being transgender, I was hoping to get hormone treatment. And most times it is uh, prescribed through what's called informed consent. The drugs that you take for HRT are being used for their side effects. What they have found, these are drugs that generally have another use and their side effects have done things that have, for example, the testosterone blocker I take is a heart medicine, hmm. which was found to lower the testosterone levels in the, in men who were taking it and could lead to breast development. These drugs are being taken for their side effects and can have all kinds of other side effects. And so you are giving your informed consent that yes, I understand that I am taking these drugs. It, in a means or for a means that they are not designed for and that I am aware of the side effects that they may have. Some of which being they lead to sterility. My junk doesn't work anymore. I could not have kids to save my life unless I got off the hormone treatment entirely and even then it may not work. Yeah these are all things that I was I'm like I'm hoping We have this informed consent model. He says, yes, we do. However, you need to get blood work done first. My next appointment was three months after that. I had had my blood work done, everything was fine. And he put me on the testosterone blocker first. And again, then it was like, we'll see you in three months. Another round of blood tests. Okay, your testosterone is not measurable anymore. It's below the scale. Woohoo. Right? (laughs) Literally, you have more testosterone than I do. Oh,
0: that's so weird to think about. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Testosterone is what makes people horny. Yeah. So men and women produce it to varying degrees. Mm -hmm. I just don't anymore, not to a point where it's even registrable. Then I was started on low dose of estrogen. That was fun, I gotta tell you. The first time I had... What I like to refer to as a wobbler. A complete emotional breakdown for no reason or a very small reason. I was watching, what was it, with my partner, we were gonna watch sing.
0: Oh, I love that Yeah, it's so it's
1: so fun, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, let's have a little snack. And I'm gonna go in the kitchen and I'm gonna make us some peanut butter toast. And I make us a batch of peanut butter toast. Here's Abby's, here's mine. I go into the Living room with my plate of peanut butter, and the plate flips. And what does buttered toast do? It lands butter side down on the cat fur covered carpet, and I just burst into tears. Bottom lip tremble, whole nine yards. It is waterworks. My partner's just like, Oh, here, hon let me. And I cannot be consoled. I can't speak. Don't help me. No,
0: that would make it worse. Don't,
1: please. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> And I clean it all up and I clean the carpet and I go back and I make another batch of toast and come back in the living room and I'm like, I have no idea where that came from. Obviously it was the estrogen. Yes. (laughs) And that was low dose of estrogen, like compared to what I'm on. So yeah, that was the first time I, I found the catharsis of feeling my emotions to be so liberating. I love it. I love A Good Cry. Mm -hmm. It's so
0: good. Yeah. (laughs) What was the first thing you watched besides, I mean, that you hadn't even watched the movie yet and it's like a cute kind of sad part movie, but like, what was the first like show or movie you watched where you were like, oh, my heart, my emotions. You know
1: what? Here's the thing. I have always, always reacted emotionally to things. I would, I remember, this is way before transition, watching around Christmas, there was a Fido commercial where the daughter's driving home from Christmas yeah. and, like, breaks down on the side of the road and, like, there's a package and it starts to ring and it's her dad on this Vito cell phone yeah. that he got her for Christmas that was, like, a late gift or something like that. And I'm, like, bawling. I'm, like, crying over this. Things like that have always made me cry. Like, yeah. I'm I'm a sap. I'm more so now. I cannot think of what the first thing was, but, like everything literally everything makes me cry
0: but you God. love feeling that hey? i love it yeah. i do
1: i love it so much right now the big thing for me is the uh the last of us i love that game so much mm-hmm. i am of the opinion if you can make it through the first 20 minutes of that game and not ball your face off you are not human now the hbo series is out yes it uh, just had its second episode last night even hearing the soundtrack and i start to get weepy because it's such an emotional game. There's so much feels. Especially like the daddy-daughter kind of feels. Right. Uh, and I never really had that in my life. I did not have a, I didn't have a dad mm-hmm. growing up. And I certainly didn't get to be a daughter growing up. So I missed out on all of that. I, was but gonna I can say, still. it's
0: probably partially like wanting, wanting yeah, that. Yeah, there was a
1: yearning for that too. Yeah. Uh, segue on that, by the way, mm-hmm. when I came up to my mom, she was like, you know, I missed out on all those years of being able to like dress you up in the pretty princess dress and all that stuff. And I was just thinking to myself, yeah, mom, I missed it too. Yes. Right? Yeah. I didn't get to be the pretty princess. No. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. I love the emotion. So that's uh, the, the the hormone treatment is definitely like the next step. I was taking the estrogen, and then we started on progesterone. Uh, progesterone's a bit of a, how do you say, it's kind of controversial when it comes to trans care. There are doctors who say you don't need it. Other doctors say that it helps to promote breast development. The idea behind that being that progesterone is the sex hormone that floods your system if you're cis, when you're starting to ovulate. So this is the hormone that tells you it's time to make a baby. hmm and that makes your breasts plump a bit and it makes you horny. So suddenly I went from producing no like sexy feelings to being like, it's time to have a baby, <laughs> which of course I cannot do. I cannot not
0: have a baby, but if I could, but I would I could, make one But if I could, we would now. be
1: making babies. Oh God. <laughs> uh, so I have been on progesterone now for probably a year and a half, I think. All told... I've been on hormones for, this is my fourth year. Um, I've been on the waiting list for GCS for probably two years. When I started on the waiting list, there was one place in Canada that performed the surgery, and that was in Montreal. Holy
0: moly, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, so everyone had to go to Montreal. So there's one clinic. Yeah. And BC is the first province to, outside of Quebec, offer the service. And the doctors here were thinking, well, number one, we're sending a lot of tax dollars out of province. So if we can keep those tax dollars in province, that would be beneficial. Also, we are having to deal with a lot of complications. People who have come back from Montreal, where maybe the surgery didn't go off 100% successfully. Mm-hmm. And so now they're here and we need to deal with their complications. So why not offer the service here where we can be closer to our patients and tend to their needs as they come up? So that process uh, was much faster than waiting to go to Montreal. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic definitely slowed it down. But here I am. And, And God, when did I get the call? I knew things were happening because I got a call saying, do you have a date yet? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, if we're talking to you, it's probably soon. So within maybe the next six months. Yes. That Uh, was,
0: I think, around the time that you applied to be a brand ambassador. Yeah. And you said to me, you were like, there's a possibility within the time of being a brand ambassador that I will be getting the surgery. And I was like... I'll make it work for you. Right. Like that's not an issue for me. But I know it's a very invasive, long recovery surgery. Yes. It is more so like what are you going to be comfortable with, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. and then I want to say it was honestly like maybe around the time of the first shoot or right after. Just after the first shoot was when I got a So date. yeah, that was November 18th. And then yeah, you messaged me, and you were like, "I got a date," and I was like, "Shut up!" Like, yeah, no way, because like it just feels like it's one of those things that you're just gonna be waiting for forever.
1: I, I definitely feels- thought I would. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And now that it's like looming on the horizon, it's really kind of scary. And surreal. It's very surreal too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I can't kind of can't believe it. But at the same time, like the reality of it is just so very there. Yes. Like I have a laundry list of things I need to buy to get ready to do this, like you know I need to get uh, maxi pads. Mm-hmm. For one, I need to get a bleeding pad because the reality of having a neo vagina is you need to dilate it. You need to dilate it three times a day. Mm-hmm. This is not as easy as it sounds for those of you who were born with vaginas and maybe are used to having things inserted into them. This is a new opening that is yes. not used to being. And it can be dangerous
0: if you don't dilate as well. Yes, so. no,
1: well, I mean, it can close. Yes. Uh, and it can also become infected. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this is all just very. Yeah, it's new territory. So. The dilation process is quite important. It requires the ultimate of relaxation in uh, an area that's very sensitive and not used to being used that way. Uh, It requires lots of saline and this other solution that you need to insert in there Mm. to keep things clean. And from becoming infected, oh gosh, what else? Uh, Painkillers, I need a donut. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff I need to get that's ridiculous that yeah. I never thought I would uh, be... Uh... It's stuff you don't think about You No, you just beforehand. don't. Yeah. Like there's. Yeah. You
0: definitely don't just go and come out with a new hole and be able to do what you want with it right God, away. No,
1: no. Hell, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that like sex is not a thing mm-hmm. I can uh, do for at least six months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably six months to a year.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, I'm getting the partial depth. No, I've lost the name again. <laughs> it's
0: okay. It's okay.
1: I'm getting a partial depth vagina. The reason for that, number one, I would not go through with the full electrolysis. So they're like, they don't want in ingrown hairs.
0: Oh God, I never thought about right? that. Right? Whew, yeah.
1: Uh, hairs on the inside can cause all kinds of issues. Yes. So let's just not do that. However, if you go partial depth, and the, there's no hair there. If it had been full depth, it would have been about 15 centimeters I'll be getting about eight centimeters.
0: It's still... It's still enough. It's, yeah. And
1: frankly, again, I'm not into men, so I don't really care about pleasing a man.
0: Exactly. I
1: don't need to be accommodating to a penis. No. It's not something that's... that's.
0: Someone telling you they're packing a big package means nothing to me. Nothing you. to me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no,
1: whatever. Now, if you've got a strap on, I guess that's a different story. <laughs> but you're not getting the sensation of having to go fully in there. Exactly. Um it still requires the dilation. And uh, yeah, that's a whole process of, for the first three months, it's pretty much a full-time job uh, because it takes time to relax enough to insert, and then there's three different sizes uh, that you need to use the small one at first, and then you increase to the larger one, and then the largest one, and then you rinse and repeat. (laughs) And this is done three times a day for that first three months
0: huge process yeah yeah and then as well as that like you are taking a very long time off work yeah to be able to accommodate with all of this too yeah exactly and you're going to be down in Vancouver for a A month month. Yeah. yeah
1: they want to have weekly appointments with me to observe what's going on down there obviously as the healing is just uh starting they'll need to remove sutures all that kind of stuff Then I was told, okay, so for the first month, we need to be here in person. After that, you can just take pictures and send them to us, and we can do the uh, appointments over phone. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll just be taking pictures of my coochie. Yeah,
0: but it's a designer coochie. It is, exactly. (laughs) Loving it. I think that's really awesome that they did open up for it to be in BC, because they did realize that. How many people were probably having to go back to Montreal for revisions or even just help?
1: Well, they were having to do the revisions here.
0: Oh, that too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if they're
1: already having to do that much, yeah. why not just do the whole thing here? Yeah. And that's why the department was was created here. Yeah. Oh, it's... And it's outside, like I say, outside of Montreal. It's the very first province in in Canada to offer it. Mm-hmm. So I'm very fortunate to be here.
0: Our very last topic of today's episode is what are hurdles that trans folk face in today's world?
1: Yeah, we have a lot of hurdles. Number one probably being misinformation. There are a lot of hot button points right now that are going on about trans folk. Many of them focus on trans women. We tend to ignore trans mask people or infantilize them. Trans exclusionary radical feminist uh, kind of side of things like to refer to them as lost butch lesbians who just don't understand right which is so infantilizing and it's so misogynistic yeah uh and then of course all of the trans women are predators who are merely trying to gain access to women's safe spaces Mm -hmm. we are just dressing in women's clothing to get into the bathrooms so that we can rape all the people yeah Pardon me for the use of the R word.
0: It's it's the truth though. Yeah, no, it is. Like the reality of
1: it is that uh, a trans woman is far more likely to be harmed in a public washroom than a cis woman Mm -hmm. by a trans woman, and you are far more likely to be assaulted in a bathroom by a Republican politician than a trans woman. Hands down, The the statistics do not lie. Those are some of the hurdles. There is a very vocal minority, especially that's coming from the US. It is moved into the UK and and we see them here in Canada as well. They're very vocal. They are almost exclusively evangelical Christians who are the type that, you know, women wear dresses. Men wear pants, and these are gender roles. Women are in the house, and they're cooking, and taking care of the kids, and the men are the breadwinners. Their way of life is changing, and has been for decades now. We had women's lib. I'm sorry, women can do what they want with their lives, and nothing they can say about it will change that. And now that we have gender differently gender-identifying people, expressing themselves, they are shaking this uh, demographic even more. So they're kind of in their death knell and fighting back really hard. And you see this uh, in some of the southern states where there's the anti-trans bathroom laws and anti-trans Medicare, uh, even trans people in sports. Uh, There has been a couple of really key cases there in secondary schools and college. One is a trans wrestler who was forced to wrestle with cis women because they were assigned female at birth. But it's not fair to the cis women that they're wrestling with because they are on testosterone, yeah. their musculature is different, and they have literally just rolled over everyone that they're wrestling with. But that's the way that it should be because they were assigned female at birth. And then you have the trans women who are trying to compete in women's sports. The Olympics have allowed this since the early 2000s. The rationale is once you've been on hormone treatment for over a year, uh, your musculature has declined. It's it's, And my doctor told me this when I first started. If you want to keep the musculature you have now, traditionally and statistically, women have 80% of the strength that a male has for the same body size and type. So if you want to keep your current strength, you will need to exercise 120% of what you do now. Oh God. Right. Just to keep your strength Mm -hmm. at where it is now. And I can attest to the fact that I cannot lift what I used to be able to. I cannot move as fast as I used to be able to. Some of that is due to age, but like literally my musculature has changed. As far as trans folk competing in sports, really they should be, if they are on the proper hormone treatment, they should be with the group they identify with. All that these rulings have done is created hurdles for cis people, more so than any trans person. I believe Castor Semenya, she is a cis woman who... Her hormone levels are out of whack. She produces so much testosterone. Hmm. She is not allowed to compete in the Olympics because her testosterone is so high. And it's naturally that way. So, you know, how does that even happen? It's really funny, I find. Do you know how there became a different category for women competing in sports? I don't. The Boston Marathon. Oh. So before women were allowed to run in the marathon Mm -hmm. this woman ran and she competed and i can't remember where she placed but very high in the field so high that male egos were very crushed by this they allowed it to happen but they can only compete against each other they can't compete against men so that's why there was women's categories because the women were competing too well against men right so the very idea that there are different sex categories is kind of sexist and misogynistic Really if you think about it weight and height would be a much better absolutely
0: yeah
1: way to categorize like the way they do boxing yeah or something along those lines would yeah. be far more fair than gender categories
0: yeah it's like how I don't know if you know about like the body mass index yes yeah. bullshit yeah exactly um it was created. Ages and ages ago, for one type of human, which was like Nordic yes. males. Mm-hmm. And that is such an unfair <laughs> way
1: of, exactly. you know,
0: quote unquote, like judging. It's
1: racist, <laughs> it's sexist. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, these are some of the hurdles. The other hurdles, of course, are we just don't understand. There's not enough education out there. It's hard to find information that isn't biased or just outright disgusting. The media is getting better, but there's still quite a bias against the trans community, and most of it is weighed against trans women. Again, we have this fear that they're predators. And the rest of the trans community doesn't exist. The non-binary doesn't exist. The trans mask doesn't exist. It's all just this predatory uh, field of, of people who are trying to be vicious Mm -hmm. evil buffalo bills so i mean that's that's where we're at i think today uh with our greatest hurdles is getting past the understanding or the misconceptions of who and what trans people are what their motivations are what their their goals are and you know how to support them i think we're getting past a lot of it like i say the evangelicals they're fighting their death throes right now yes and it could swing either way but i think most people know better yeah. And don't care.
0: Well you've reached the end of today's episode of The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios and brand ambassador Claire. So where can people find you, Claire?
1: Uh you can find me on Instagram at Claire and ss so C L A I R E N Y S S A. And uh that would be probably the best way to find me. Mm-hmm. Uh you can also find me I believe there on Twitter as well. Not Ooh. that anyone's using Twitter anymore.
0: No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the few holdouts. Um, but thank you so much for having me. Of it has course. been wonderful.
0: Yeah. And we're going to have you back post off.
1: Yes. That will be a much different clear.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited. Thanks, everyone, for listening and have a fantastic day. Bye. Bye thank you for joining the Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. You can find us on Instagram at Pillow Talk Studios and in our Facebook group, Pillow Talk Studios exclusive VIP group. I cannot wait to share another episode with you soon. Bye!